What a blessing to be able to share this time together with all of you. Wherever you are, you know, some of you joining us, you're here in the Bay Area, others of you, other parts of the country, some cases other parts of the world, some of you just found us, you stumbled onto us. We're together right now. I'm Pastor Terry, lead pastor here at Cornerstone Church in San Francisco. I'm glad you're with us, especially if you're joining us for the very first time. Our series is called A Time to Choose. And what I want us to explore together is the choice to commit. I want to talk about what commitment looks like to Jesus, but the principles that we're going to look at, they can be applied all across our life. Let's start, and I just even ask now, Lord, by asking your blessing over this word as we share it. Speak to our hearts, I pray, in your name. But let's start by looking at a portion of scripture from the ninth chapter of Luke. What we're going to see here are three quick little examples of Jesus interacting with with people around the issue of commitment. They had to do with the decision to follow him. I call them decisions of discipleship. But in each case, someone is wrestling with choice and the decision to commit. Starting in verse 57, as they were going along the road, someone said to him, Jesus, I will follow you. Wherever you go. Now, whatever happened to precipitate this explanation, this declaration, this enthusiasm, right? I will follow you wherever you go. Right? It was quite a statement. And whatever else we may say about this person, we got to admit this. It was a great word. I mean, I will follow you wherever you go. You can count on me. I'm sticking with you all the way. Some people have said, no, that was that, that whoever made that statement was thoughtless and impulsive. And it was an emotional outburst that revealed an excessive self-confidence. And that's why Jesus responded the way he did. But I mean, it's also possible that they, they meant these words, that this word was sincere. I mean, I, I can think of certain times in my life, maybe when I've been worshiping the Lord or when I've been feeling especially sensitive to God, that I've, I've made declarations of my love for him, my commitment to him that were very sincere. Yeah, they were a lot of times connected to the emotions that I was feeling. I'm not, I'm not anti-emotions. Jesus was not either. I mean, he, he wept, he, he felt, he, he empathized with people. He, he was not a stoic model of righteousness. <laughs> he was actually a real human being touched with our infirmities. He, was, he, he felt things. He cared. He was not a stranger to emotion, nor does he put emotions down. It, and, and, and there are times, I think, when we do commit to Jesus out of the context of our emotions. It's the way we're feeling, and we make these commitments. I, I think we can... Well, I'm not sure. This may have been a loyal confession, an earnest desire... Or it may have been a little bit of bravado to impress people or impress Jesus. I don't know. All I know is the response of Jesus is different than what we would have expected. Look at the 58th verse. It says, And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But I just want you to know the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. It's almost like Jesus said, You are welcome to come. But I really want you to understand. I want you to truly understand I don't want you to be under any illusions. This is no bait and switch here. I want you to understand exactly what you're committing to. What you're asking to join and be a part of. Listen, it may not be so glamorous. 
<laughs> my starry-eyed friend. Don't forget, I have nothing tangibly that I call my own. I'm traveling light. Yes, I'm in community, but otherwise I'm light. Because I'm headed somewhere. <laughs> and this requires, if you haven't noticed, an atypical de detachment from things. Because I have nothing anchoring me here. No possessions. No bank accounts. No, no stock portfolios. No retirement plans. I have no real estate. In that regard, I have nothing. Nothing to take care of, to maintain, or to worry about losing. You know, when you have something, you, there's energy there. You have to worry about losing it. Yeah, how can I say this? Jesus was the ultimate minimalist. I'm reading all kinds of things, probably because we live in such a complex world, about simplicity, simple living. There's a lot of discussion about minimalism. It's a thing. Can you hear me when I say that Jesus was the ultimate minimalist? He was quite focused. If I can take it one step further, it was as if Jesus was saying, listen to me, my friend, <laughs> excited friend, even my critical relationships, aside from my mother, I've let go of them. And even that I'm going to entrust to another in the not too distant future. No, what's more, what's more, I have no wife. I have no children. I have no home to call my own. Listen to me. The foxes, they have holes. <laughs> they, they have holes in the birds of the air. They have nests, but the son of man, I, I have nowhere to lay my head. You still want to come? You still want to follow me? You better weigh it out. That's one. Look at the next thing. Verse 59. To another, he said, follow me. These little vignettes. First one, I will follow you. Jesus says, be careful what you're committing yourself to. Are you sure you know what you're doing? To this person, perhaps they were in a conversation. Perhaps it had to do with some exchange. He said, follow me. And well, you notice immediately that interaction is different than the other because in this, in this one, Jesus is the initiator. And he, he, when he says, follow me, it's, it's a lot like what he did with the disciples. And by the way, what he does with you and me, with all of us, follow me. It's the universal invitation that, that he makes to every man and every woman. Follow me. Will you follow me? But look at the response. Look at the words that <laughs> came from the person. He said, follow me. But he said, Lord, I would. But first, I, I need to do something. I need to take care of something. First, let me go and bury my father. That, he was making an agreement. It was a qualified affirmation. It, I, I would love to come. Um, I really would. But what is implied here is not only a, a literal burial of his father, which would have been you know, honoring your father. But it also implied a, season, a time of, of grieving and lamenting, which would have been customary. But even more than that, it seems to imply that he needed to settle the estate. There were a lot of things that needed to be attended to, get in order. Of course it was sensible. But it was as if he said, I, I would love to come. I feel the urge. I hear the call. But... <laughs> I'm torn between following you and, and just going for it and, and propriety and responsibility and, and maintaining our assets. And 
you know, what I feel obligated to do. You can hear the tension inside. And Jesus gives him words that honestly, I wouldn't have expected. I don't think we would have normally. I mean, it just doesn't fit the the way we think of Jesus, you know, Jesus, the sensitive, Jesus, the caring, Jesus, meek and mild. He was all that, but look what he says. It says, Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. You need to follow me. You need to let that go. That's a, that's a powerful statement. It kind of stuns us, right? It kind of stuns me when I look at it. it catches me a bit off guard, as I'm sure it did to the one whom, to whom it was given and anyone else who was listening at the time. Even the disciples were probably going, whoa, <laughs> you know, it's a tough word. No, 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 don't do that. Don't delay. Don't, don't put off till tomorrow what I'm asking you to do today, right now, right now. No, my would-be disciple, today is the day, and now is the time for you to follow me and proclaim the kingdom of God. For whatever the reason, Jesus felt that there was some unique quality that this man possessed to be used of God, but that the window, that the window was, I don't know, was, was closing. That the moment of opportunity, the moment of visitation was limited that it was at hand, literally. You know, when you think of at hand, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's like right in front of me. Verse 61, and yet another. So there's a third vignette, a third example, third exchange. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me say farewell to those at my home. <laughs> and, and Jesus must have said the, the indecision understood that the return home would, for whatever the reason, result most likely in the loss of resolve. This would be an example of someone who, when they, they, they want to do it, they want to do it, they want to do it, but uh, I need more time. I need more time. And then I need to go talk to someone. I need to go back home. I need to say goodbye. But Jesus understood that there are some decisions that when we make them, if we dabble, if we go back and start checking in with different people and start getting a lot of different input, and we start saying our goodbyes, that, that it often, as often as the case, we, we pull back. So Jesus said these words, these words that are for all time, by the way, I just love them. Jesus said to him, no, no. No one who puts his hand to the plow and, like, and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The image that Jesus used was well understood by his audience because you know, it was an agricultural culture and environment predominantly. No farmer who ever wanted to plow a straight furrow would look back over his shoulder or he would lose his line. Now it was essential to stay focused in order to set the, set the straight line and no one is fit. That word in the Greek means suited for, ready for, prepared for, well-placed. Now, when I look at these three exchanges, we can call them examples around choices to follow, but they contain in them real truth around commitment making, especially as it relates to spiritual things. So let's just note a few things. One, and this has to do with you and me. 
Let's be careful with a casual or emotional commitment, especially when it comes to following Jesus. It's very important that we, we count the cost and think it through a bit on the front end. That's why Jesus would often say, count the cost. <laughs> Don't just jump into this. I want you to weigh things out. I don't want you to get caught up in the emotion like that first individual who was saying, I'll follow you. And, and Jesus, though not anti-emotional, he nonetheless was very clear that he didn't want us to say things that we weren't, we aren't willing to act upon or follow through with. It's better not to commit than to commit, say we are committing, and then pull back. Like the Lord wants us to follow through with things. He wants us to be a people when we make a commitment, we keep it. Right? Then the other thing here, let's be careful with conflicting obligations. And I'm talking about things that, that split us, that hamper our ability to move on what God is calling us to, that really do hinder our ability uh, to commit. Like there's always going to be something that's going to be challenging our commitment. <laughs> and we got to be really careful about, about being too spread out that what happens is we're, we're conflicted. It's why sometimes we need to eliminate and trim some things down because for us to be able to commit ourselves properly, we can't do everything. There are some things that we need to say no to and let go of in order to commit ourselves to the best. That's just a truism. And then let's be careful about going back and forth. Let's not go back and forth indecisively. What we were told in the scriptures, a double-minded man, a double-minded person, as James 1.8, is unstable in all their ways. And they, that, that has to do with our tendency to overthink, right? Sometimes it's necessary to just jump in. We just got to jump. We just got to go for it. We can't hold back, Right? So we come to the edge and everybody's yelling at us, jump, jump, you can do this. And, we're, and we start overthinking. And we get afraid. And we get paralyzed. Like, sometimes we just need to jump in. Each one of these things highlights something different. You know, what is our tendency? I don't know which one we struggle with more when it comes to commitment, when it comes to committing ourselves to something that God's ask, asking of us to honor in our lives. These sacred entrustments, these promptings in the spirit. A lot of times we struggle and our struggles are different because we're all unique. Some of us, we, we're, our, our struggle has to do with more of the, the following through with things. We're good at, yeah, I'll do it when we feel it. But then when it comes to the everydayness, the day in and day out of it, the, the long haul, the hard work, the sustaining component, the stick to that just wears it down. We were able to do it, you know, just like in the parable of the sower. When we felt it, it grows fast. But then sustainability, that's not, that kind of commitment requires a resolve that is connected to really thinking through what we're committing ourselves to on the front end. Some of us need to be more careful with the commitments that we make because we're too casual with them. And we're not really honoring them by, by really setting ourselves to understand what it is we're actually committing ourselves to. Others of us, we, we are just, our life is filled. 
It's not that we don't mean it. It's just that we've got so many things pulling at us that it, it, it dissipates. Like our, our, our ability to focus is hindered. So the Lord really wants to help us when it comes to our commitment keeping. When we choose to commit ourselves to him and the things that he, we feel like he's wanting us to do and sensing his pleasure in them, that we, we don't get ourselves so spread out that we can't, we can't give the attention to that which we really do believe is most important. Some of us, you know exactly what I'm saying. In your heart, it's not the issue of that you don't care or you don't want to. It's just the, the way that your life is constructed. It's so complex or so spread out or <laughs> if we can call it this, there's so many voices calling at us that we're tired. And so it's not that we don't mean the commitment that you know, when we say we're committing, it's just that we're being pulled in too many directions. We need to, we need to trim some things down. And that just is a constant challenge. We need to really be thoughtful about the way we do it. Then, of course, there are some of us who our real issue is not committing too quickly, <laughs> too casually, too emotionally. And it actually isn't even about having too many things that's going on. It's more about our reluctance to commit, period. Like we are commitment phobic. We're like, just, I don't want to commit to anything. I understand some of this, right? Because I have such a high regard for the implications of keeping my commitments. I sometimes am reluctant to make that commitment. <laughs> and that can, that can be a problem too. There are times when the Lord is saying, Hey, don't overthink this. Don't overthink this. Now there are times when we do need to think and some of us are, that's our issue, right? We're not thinking it through, but there are others of us that we're thinking too much. We're thinking too much. Like we're overthinking. And the Lord is just saying, you just need to jump. You need to walk by faith. You need to let go. You can't get where I want you to go here without letting go here. You got it. You got to do it. Come on. You can do this. Commit. Go for it. Ah, but you know. So I have some questions that are connected to this that I want to just lay before you. What? Here's one of them. What decision is Jesus inviting us into? Is there something that the Lord is asking us to decide on? What path is he asking us to choose? A lot of times we get to these fork in the road moments. We have to choose. Can't do each one. I got to go this way or I got to go that way. What path is he asking us to choose? What would following him and committing ourselves to him look like? That's the path we want to walk down. Now, sometimes that path is a well-trod path. And there's a lot of people on that journey. And it's about us joining in that journey. Other times that, that path is lightly trod and, and it it's, can feel a little more lonely, a little more solitary. We've got to choose though. What is the Lord asking us to do? Sometimes he's asking us to obey him and others are going to see it. And they're going to have a direct connect to the things that we're committing ourselves to. A lot of ministry is like that. Other times, there's a lot of things that no one ever sees. Only God sees. But that's what he's asking us to choose. What commitment is he asking us to make? What habit, loved one, is he asking us to break? There are some habits we've acquired that they're not helpful. Now, there are sinful habits. There are destructive habits. There are harmful habits. Those are obvious things, and the Lord does want to help us. And I've usually found in my own life that those kinds of habits, we need to bring others into that to get, to stay accountable, to pursue the things that we, we really believe is important and we want to see improved in our lives. The bad habits are rarely broken alone. It's like, yes, it involves our decision, but it, it's going to involve others. But 
I'm talking about things that sometimes can get in the way and obscure what the Lord is, is doing. And, and it's, remember, not, not, not everything is necessarily um, going to just happen easily. And that leads me to the other question. What weight is he asking us to bear with courage and resolve? Sometimes that's a sacrificial request that the Lord is making of us. He's asking us to bear weight for him. Follow me here. I need you to live sacrificially for others. I need you to oh, carry something that's not going to be easy. Wow, Lord, I, I don't know. But if he's asking us to bear it, then will we do it? What bravery is he requiring of us? Some, sometimes we get to these places where the Lord is just saying, you need to be brave. You need to be brave. I want to help you, but you need to be brave. And then I have one more. What is God asking us to respond to now? Remember, when it comes to the kingdom of God, and each of these examples, a lot of them are really connected to this thought. The, the, the time to act is when the water is stirred. The time to act is when the power of the Lord is present to heal. Not, not all time is the same time. Some times are different than others. They're more conducive to spiritual breakthrough. Some time is more conducive to spiritual breakthrough than other time. Let us not miss our hour of visitation. You know, I found now over the years of following Jesus and leading the church, and I, just, I found that there's a season when seed will grow and there's a season when it won't. There's, there's a season <laughs> when almost anything will grow with very little effort on our part. <laughs> Just like, what, what's happening? And there are other seasons where almost nothing will grow despite our most strenuous efforts. It, that's why timing is important. When the Lord is saying, now is the time, we need to respond to that. One more thing here. If we have made a decision to follow Jesus, don't look back. Don't look back. The farmer who looks back is a poor farmer indeed, right? Ours is a forward glance. This one thing I do, I, I press toward the mark. You know, I, I, I leave those things behind of my past. I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, right? This idea of a forward glance. We can honor what was, but... I, once we've made the decision to follow, I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. Don't turn back. It's gonna, and that's going to require, as we opened within our series, fixing our eyes on Jesus and, and not quitting ever. You know, I, I, there are going to be times we feel really down. There are going to be times where we, we don't feel strong. There are going to be times where we may even have our doubts. We may have our struggles. But I'm not turning back. I'm not turning back. Don't turn back. Don't glance back. No going back. Let's not go back to Sodom. Let's not, let's not go back to Egypt. <laughs> right? There's nothing there. This world has nothing for me. It's like when Jesus said, Hey, everybody, everybody was leaving Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, Are you also going to leave? Peter, in one of his outstanding moments, said, Lord, where, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. We're not going anywhere. I love that. I love that. 
I don't want to ever, I don't want to, I've committed. Once you commit yourself to Jesus, there's no turning back ever. Think about that. Remember that we live in an age of commitment breaking. We live in an era of deception. Everybody has lying eyes. The Lord wants us to, you know, and, and by the way, I think a lot of us have been affected by other people not keeping their commitments. Some of us understand that. We were affected by decisions that other people made to break their commitments. I don't want us to be like that. I don't want us to be like that when it comes to following Jesus. Once we commit, commit. Go all the way. Don't turn back, right? He, no one that puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom. No, no, no. We're going to keep it straight. Steady our gaze. Um, and then honor the commitments he's given us by his grace. Honor the commitments he's given to us. Maybe some of us are being tempted to, to, not, to not be committed to the sacred things that we've been given to love and nurture. The people that he wants us to love to the end. Remember how Jesus did it. He showed us the way, having loved them. He loved them to the end. That's, that's how it's done. He kept his commitment. He wants us to keep our commitments. Oh, even when it's hard. And it, it can get hard. And yet the Lord wants to help us, right? It's not always to keep our hands steady on the plow and keep our eyes focused on what he's called us to. But that's where grace comes in. <laughs> if I can put it this way in a... In a <laughs> well, remember when Jesus said... Anyone who puts his hand in the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. I think there's, in a way, none of us will ever be fit for the kingdom. We're always going to need grace. <laughs> and because of Jesus, it's there for us. The, remember, it's the grace that he died to acquire for us. We're, we're going to have struggles. We're going we're gonna to have these moments where it's hard. Uh, but I found that in those places where our commitments are really being challenged, if we're just stick with Jesus, we will find that those times can, be some of the, can become some of the most profound growth seasons of our life, right? I mean, the growth, you got to go deep sometimes. That's where the roots grow deep in the desert. I mean, think about it. It's in the wilderness places where we get formed and shaped. We die to things, live to new things. I mean, a lot of God's best work is done when we're wrestling with him. It's when we're broken of our pride and, and we're not as, as we don't, we're, we realize I'm not as strong as I thought I was. It's in those places of need that his grace is sufficient, that he's able to help us. You know, following Jesus is also about three other things. You know, we make the decision, we choose to, to commit ourselves to him, but it doesn't mean it's a one and done thing. It's, it's, a, it's a life of, of growth, expansion, and it's going to involve other things. It's not static. It's, it's not about just to plug it in now. This is a life-giving, shifting, growing, dynamic life. It's, it's, it, it's anything but sedate and stationary <laughs> and uninteresting. Life with Jesus is a great adventure. It's the best adventure ever. When you really get down to it, it's the best ever. But it's going to invo involve three, a couple of things, and I want to list, at least share with you three of them. How about that? One of these is going to involve, well, I'll just tell you what they are. Adjustments, it's going to involve renewal, and it's going to involve pacing. 
adjustments, renewal, and pacing. When it comes to adjustments, I'm talking about the changes in the, in the way that we choose to follow him. Some, there are going to become times, there are going to be times when what we are doing is not working as well as it did in the past. And so it's almost like what, what got me to here is not going to be enough to get me to where God wants me to go. So I'm going to have to learn new things and get better and grow better. So adjustments. There are times where I've got to have to mix it up. I'm going to have to change the way I've been doing it so that I can keep my life fresh with God. And that brings me to that second one, renewal. Some of us, this is about a fresh touch. We need a holy heart burn. We need, we need hearts of fire. You know, like Keith Green said in his song, Sleep in the Light. I want hearts of fire, not your prayers of ice. Have we lost our first love? In the end, it's the love of Christ that constrains us to serve him. This was never intended to be rule-based. It's relational. It's not about fear and obligation. It's about ours is the way of love. It's the way of love. And, and there are going to be times when we're just going to need to get our hearts refreshed. And we're going to have to awaken our love. Let his love be more real in our lives. And we need to awaken our love for him. To love the Lord our God. To love our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And there are other times where keeping our commitment to him is going to involve pacing. And there's sometimes where we're going to need to slow down. And there are other times we need to hurry up. <laughs> it's like there might be times where we may be going too fast and we don't have time for the first things, the humble things, the quiet things, the slow things. And we really do need to reduce our speed. And there are other times, so that's some of us, pick it up, pick up the pace. Um, slow it down, pick it up, right? <laughs> It could be either one. I'm not sure. Sometimes, sometimes we can get too slow, too soft, too complacent, and we need to apply some healthy pressure and push ourselves a bit more than we've been doing. So whether it's slowing down or picking up the pace, sometimes uh, God's just trying to get our attention because we, we're not listening too well. <laughs> so we're not at the results to show it. Sometimes he wants us just to bring others into the conversation and challenge us so that we don't settle for mediocrity. Listen, I know, I know we don't always get it right. We get distracted. We get wooed sometimes by our past, especially when it's hard. We start glancing backward. I've done it. I mean, I don't, I mean, in my own way to what was or could have been, you know, what would have happened if I had chosen the non-Jesus way? What if I had taken this path? Sometimes we're, reluctant to surrender what he's asking of us. And so we struggle. We struggle to keep our line. And yet he loves us still. And we live on the other side of the cross. And because of it, grace flows like a river. That's the only way I know how to say it. A healing stream now and forever because of what Jesus did. Maybe I can put it this way. Because he was steadfast for us, there is grace for us even when we are less than steadfast. Oh. Because he was steadfast for us, he did it. There is grace for us even when we are less than steadfast. That's not an excuse. That's just a reminder of the undeserved blessing that you and I are invited to embrace and be embraced by.
as the Apostle Paul said, you know, when he was talking about his weakness, what he said, Jesus told him this. He said, the Lord told him, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Our weakness is God's opportunity to show himself strong on our behalf. Let's keep that in mind, right? Ah, Lord, I just want to choose you and stay open to your grace. I want to commit myself to you and never turn back. Yeah, Lord, that's what we want. Oh, let it be. So I've got, I've, I've got something more to share after our song together. I do want to, speaking of commitment, I want to, choosing to commit, I want to remind all of you about our time of giving. So many of you have been so faithful, so committed in your tithes and your offerings, allowing us to do what we do, honoring the Lord in your life. Remember, you can give in a number of different ways. You can send it in. Some of you do that. Others of you give through our website directly. Others of you through our app. That's what I do. Like I say, let's give him our heart first, stay in love with him, choosing to commit to him. It's the best thing we can ever do. With that in mind, let's share this song and then I'll come back around. i 
Oh, so greatly loved one. I was reminded of two verses, just talking about grace and God's faithfulness and our choice to receive what he has for us. The first verse is found in 2 Timothy 2, 1. You therefore, my son, my daughter, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. <laughs> that is, learn to live as one who is defined by grace. Learn to live close to him. And then this is something that I don't think a lot of us are aware of. Some of us might be, but the last verse of the Bible, I'm talking about Revelations 22, 21. Think about this. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. <laughs> think about it. The last word in the Bible is essentially grace. His grace to you, his grace for you, his grace sung over your life. My prayer is that we would choose to commit ourselves to him all the days of our lives. L listen, if you haven't committed yourself to Jesus, I, I want to encourage you to do it. It's, it's something that we want to assist you with. Just say, Lord, I'm open to you. I want you to come into my life. I want you to be my savior. You make that step, jump, go for it. Open up your heart. And then for others of us, maybe this is a time when we need to consider getting baptized. We've never been baptized. We never made a, a public declaration of our desire to be identified as part of the family of Jesus as an adult. If you've never done that, let us know. We would love to help you. We're connected together, all of us, whether we just started running this race of faith or whether we've been running it for a long time. My prayer is that we would choose to commit ourselves to Jesus now and always, all the days of our lives. It's the one commitment that when we choose, no matter what, we'll never regret it and it'll outlast us. <laughs> it's a commitment that will outlast us. We're talking about a future and a hope secured in Christ, in his love, now and always, forever and ever. Amen.